episode 97 of the Night Shift and lots to get into as the London Knights uh, basically start the new year on quite a roll to finish off 2023 as we head into 2024. We got news around that. We're going to have special guests. We're going to talk the World Junior Hockey Championships and a whole lot more going in there. But you can follow along with the podcast the same way you did in last year in 2023. You can do so here in 2024. Uh, The Night Shift, you can follow us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify at Stubbs980 on socials at Calgamard, myself over there. And, you know, Mike, it's there's a lot of good that the London Knights left in 2023 that will hopefully carry over into 2024, including a six-game winning streak. Six-game winning streak. And we can count this up because this was supposed to be a stretch where the Knights struggled. And the ingredients are there for that to happen. Because let's look back to Sunday, the Knights' sixth victory on this six-game winning streak. The Knights were without Max McHugh, Alec Leonard, Sawyer Bolton, Oliver Bonk, Easton Cowan, Casper Haltonen, and Ethan McKinnon, and they beat Flint. They had five players wearing cages because they play in other leagues predominantly, and they still found a way, and Flint played well. The Knights just found a way. Pretty impressive. So we'll go through all of that. Back-to-back players of the week for the London Knights. Sam Dickinson winds up getting the honor this week. Ruslan Gazazov in the week before the holiday break. And we've got the trade deadlines coming up. The overage trade deadline is Tuesday, January the 9th at noon. And the trade deadline for everybody else is Wednesday, January 10th. And given that you might be listening to this on January 2nd or January 3rd, maybe January 4th, it's getting really close. So we'll play you a little bit of a roundtable that we had with Terry Doyle, who's been following the Ontario Hockey League for a long, long time. He's at every Memorial Cup. He's the television voice of the Sarnia Sting. And he'll go through who he thinks could be active at the trade deadline. That's coming up a little later. A lot of the junior hockey world, Kyle, is still focused and fixated on Canada being eliminated in the quarterfinals at the World Junior Hockey Championship. Yeah, you know, it was uh, called a revenge game from Czechia from last year's elimination game where this time they get the upper hand and they score with just 11 seconds remaining in regulation to take out Canada. And I know Canada may not have been the favorites going into the tournament, but you'd still expect them to compete for a medal. But you got to give Czechia credit where credit is due. They were a tough team to play against in the round robin. They've shown in years past that they can be a good team and hang with, you know, all the quote upper echelon teams. But this tournament is getting a lot closer. It's not just a two team or a three team race anymore. There are some legitimate teams that find their way into contention and find a way to compete. And that's what Czechia did. They kept the game close. They tried to keep Canada along the perimeter for most of the game. If you noticed on, you know, the first goal uh, for Canada, it was just a broken play and a stretch pass that was extended by Easton Cowan. But the second goal after the puck was thrown to the net, it was cleared to the outside and it took a point shot through some traffic to go in. Czechia didn't really allow a whole lot of in the slot shots or a lot of inside play. They were forcing everything towards the outside and that made life hard on Canada. And, Got to give them credit. They did a good job. Obviously, it's a it's a tough tournament to try and go in and win, regardless of what team you're on. And, you know, it's it's early exits for Easton Cowan and Oliver Bonk. And unfortunately, just, you know, being in the maybe the wrong place, the wrong time, a couple bad bounces re- really in that game that gave Canada that loss. But I don't know, Mike, what'd you see on that one? Well, Czechia is a team that has a lot of size. 
and then they have some really skilled players. So they're going to make you try and go through. And Canada, one thing that we knew going in was the finishers, the guys who really put the puck in the net a whole lot. Did Canada have enough of those finishers? Because Zach Benson is in the National Hockey League. Connor Bedard is in the National Hockey League. This was a game where there were chances, and in an elimination game, you have to cash in on your chances, and Canada did not cash in on enough chances, and Czechia winds up throwing a puck at the net with 11 seconds to go. It hits off the stick of Oliver Bonk, but Matthew Poitra had his stick there. You wouldn't defend it any other way. Matisse Russo in net came up with some huge saves in this game. You can't fault him. You can't fault Oliver Bonk. You can't fault Poitra. You just look and say things like this happen when you throw the puck at the net. We were millimeters away maybe from... Mason McTavish all over again. Remember the difference between Mason McTavish knocking the puck out of the air a couple of years ago as Canada won their first of back-to-back gold medals and what happened today where the puck hits off a stick, hits off the inside of the post and goes in. It's millimeters. And you can't go through that last play and say that was the reason that Canada lost. You can't look at this team and say it wasn't good enough to move on. In a tournament, you can lose but you have to lose the right game. You can look at the way that the Memorial Cup happens. 2018 is maybe the best example of this recently. The Acadie Bathurst Teton played in the round robin, and they lost to Hamilton, but they beat Regina. So that loss to Hamilton could have stung them, but in the tiebreak, they moved straight through to the final, and they won the Memorial Cup in that final. And you can lose a game. Finland lost to Germany. Germany was in the relegation game. And now they're in the semifinal because they won the right game. They found a way to beat Slovakia, who'd had a great tournament. Slovakia won their first four games, lost to the United States. Not a shocker there. But in a way, they were the favorite to beat Finland in the earliest game of the quarterfinals. And Finland scores late. Slovakia ties it even later on a goal by Philip Mishar, who is a member of the Kitchener Rangers, and then Finland wins it in overtime. Their captain does what their captain should do. Yuri Lasila goes end-to-end, makes a nice move, and Finland is off to the semifinals. So it's a tournament, and it's a one-game elimination, and there will be quite a few players back on this team next year, or at least who have the the eligibility to be back on the team. It'll depend on what the National Hockey League wants to do with certain players. It means that they'll remember this. And you can look at a guy like Anthony Stewart, who was a tremendous junior. He was somebody that played in 2004 when Canada had that really tough loss again off a bad bounce. Marc-Andre Fleury trying to clear the puck. It hits the defenseman. It goes in the net. So tough bounce for that one. They came back and they were one of the best teams the next year. So maybe the adversity that they go through here sets the stage. The adversity that the players will go through will make them tougher players, hardened players for the rest of their careers. Kyle, it just hurts a lot right now. It it really does. And you're exactly right. You know, games like this will hopefully allow these players to realize, too, you know, just because you're on a team that is expected to win doesn't mean it's just going to happen. You've still got to go out there and earn it. There is still a team in front of you. There is still 60 minutes ahead of you. And it's not just handed to the team based off of what you look like on paper. So if anything, there are morals that come out of this and maybe it's just something that 
the members of this team find a way to to use and relish and go on with the rest of their junior careers or their pro careers and understand that it doesn't matter who I'm playing with. It doesn't matter where we are, where we're expected to be. It's not just going to magically happen unless we make that happen. So, you know, I just give big props to all the players on this team because this is a such high pressure tournament, especially if you are a Canadian player and you know that they were feeling the pressure. You know that there was a lot of it on guys like Easton Cowan and Oliver Bonk and Matthew Poitra, who has playing in the National Hockey League, is all of a sudden expected to just be thrown into this team and expected to dominate because you're playing at the NHL level with the Boston Bruins or guys like Fraser Minton or Matthew Celebrini, who came in and became a high-end player and all was all of a sudden playing on the top line because well, he scored in a couple of games. So now you're the guy being counted on. So hopefully these players can lift their heads up high, be proud of what they did. It's a hard tournament to win and maybe take this, you know, this this moment of theirs and potentially move it to the next stages of their careers. And for the London Knights point of view, maybe guys like Cowan and Bond come in and really play a pivotal role and hopefully London getting, you know, another opportunity at a deep playoff run. No doubt. And this will strengthen them. It'll be hard to get over. They'll need a little downtime when they get back from the tournament. Canada will not waste much time coming back from Sweden. You don't hang around after you either win or lose. Even when you win the tournament, there's a quick turnaround to get everybody back home. But we'll see when Oliver Bonk and Easton Cowan return to the London Knight lineup. They'll need a little adjustment coming back, not just because of the time change, but from the emotions of what the World Juniors brings. And Mark Masters covering the tournament for TSN was posting some tweets from people like Matt Poitra, who is headed back to the Boston Bruins, as far as we know, not back to the Guelph Storm. And he says, I feel like I was gripping my stick too tight. I don't know. Couldn't find the back of the net. I don't know. It sucks. I feel like I let some of these guys down, let the country down. I feel like that. So that's the kind of thing that these players are wearing at the ages of 17 in Macklin Celebrini's case, 18 in Oliver Bonk and Easton Cowan's case, and 19 in the case of a guy like Matt Poitra and a few others. And that's a pretty young age to be wearing that, that I feel I let the country down. So hopefully they can look back and realize it is a tournament. The country's eyes seem to turn to it. This is where junior hockey really has its hold across the country. And it has for a while, and and good on it. This tournament has become a, a fixture of the holidays, and it should be, and it allows you to see how fun junior hockey is. But it's fun sometimes because of its unpredictability, and we saw that in the quarterfinals. We certainly saw it for Team Canada. So it is a, a tough finish, but the players will move on from here. And speaking of moving on, Kasper Haltonen and Finland have themselves a semifinal, as now we're left with... Finland, Czechia, the United States, and Sweden. And they are the teams that will play in the semifinals. The London Knights will wish the best of luck to Kasper Haltonen. Maybe he can come home with a gold or a silver. And that's the whole thing. You make it into those semis. Finland did not have a good start to the tournament. Lost their first two games. Lost to Germany. And yet now they've got as good a chance as anyone to win gold. And the London Knights will now move on to a game against the Erie Otters, a team that they haven't beaten, a team that will not have a guy who's been a real thorn in their side in Kerry Terrance. He has two goals in each of the two games that the Knights and the Otters have played, one in London, one in Erie. 
And so now the Knights go for their first win against the Otters. That will be a Wednesday, January 3rd game at 7 o'clock. Then the Knights are home to the Barry Colts on Friday, January 5th. And they will visit the Mississauga Steelheads on Saturday afternoon, January 6th. And we'll see if they can continue this winning streak. Because, Kyle, it, how surprising is this? You take out players key players. And it's not just the guys at the World Juniors. It is now three suspensions. Alec Leonard was given a suspension for a slew foot. Sawyer Bolton is serving a suspension. Max McHugh got a suspension for abuse of officials for trying to get through a linesman to get to a Sarnia Sting player that was trying to get to him. A lot of fans asking about Carson Charche of the Sarnia Sting, their goaltender, because in the shift that precipitated all of the skirmishes that eventually led to Max McHugh's suspension that eventually led to a lot of penalties. Carson Chartier had come out of his net and hit Landon Sims. And there were a lot of people wondering, well, where's the punishment there? Or where's the punishment for Dalen Moses and his cross-check on Denver Barkey? Well, it was ruled that no extra punishment was going to be handed out for the Dalen Moses cross-check. As for Carson Chartier, after everything had been added up, he got an interference penalty. So if you look at the game sheet, and that's really what it deserved, but at the same time, it sparked a whole lot of stuff, and now the Knights are still without Max McHugh for a couple of games. And and it's interesting. I mean, the Knights are going to look at this, and whoever is in the lineup, just like we've seen over the last couple of weeks, they're the ones who have to make the difference. And Rick Stedman said something pretty interesting. Knight's assistant coach about guys going in and out of the lineup. It's one of those things we've sacked guys for bad penalties before. We try to do it that way to deter them there. And, and anytime you got to sit out uh, at home here watching your your team play, it, it's not a fun feeling. Um, it sucks. To, someone might step up, might do well, and you might come back on the fourth line because the other guys step up, right? So you never want to give your spot up when, when you're going, and it, it's it, I think that's the worst feeling there can be. Rick Stedman of the London Knights talking about the fact that Guys get a chance to show what they can do. And you look at what P.J. Fagan, Noah Jenkins, Jared Woolley, Evan Van Gorp, Blake Aerosmith have been able to show. Jared Woolley, I mean, he's a guy who all of, all of a sudden looks, Kyle, like an everyday OHLer. Evan Van Gorp has been playing like an everyday OHLer. Jenkins, Fagan, and Aerosmith haven't had the games to do that yet, but they're showing they belong in this league. Well, it's so funny because I every year, it's not that we're not surprised about it, but it should be known. The Knights do this almost every year. They normally have players within this organization that have an opportunity to go to the World Juniors and it gives chances for other guys to step up and fill gaps and fill voids. And we've talked a lot about players like Ruslan Gazazov and even Sam Dickinson to a certain extent, but guys coming up and, and filling offensive roles and showing that when they're put in the positions, they can thrive as well. But you're right. It's, it's other guys who weren't normally getting regular reps with the team it is a guy like jared woolley it is a guy like evan van gore but they are players that have been thrown in and done a really good job and and not just like going over and above and jared woolley making passes to ruslan gazes off with seconds left to tie a game but it's the little intricate details it's going back in the defensive end and making a simple pass because he's done it a bunch of times and knowing to get to the red line and dump the puck and to get a change when you've been on for a significant amount of time and just doing all the little things that they're doing in order to win these games and not making big critical mistakes because you're trying to go above and beyond because in those moments as a player a young player with this franchise you want to show that you can do all these do all these great things and 
sometimes doing too much is a bad thing. And I feel like the players that have stepped in have done a really nice job at keeping things simple, but making an impact in little ways. And that's all you're supposed to do. And really, that's something that Rick Stedman also talked about, putting players in positions where you know they're ready. And that's that's hard. It's hard to say to these guys because when they are playing as they are in the GOJHL this year, they're pouring in points. And then you come up and they and, and they hear, we don't need you to worry about getting a goal. We don't need you to worry about picking up two assists in a game like you normally would do. We need you to do the little things. We need you to be in the right position, doing what you need to do defensively in order to help this team win. That's all you have to do. And it's a really difficult adjustment. Wait a minute. You want me to come up and play more simply than I do or than I've ever done? No, I, I need to contribute to stay. I, I need to. And it's getting that whole education of contributing is not goals and assists. Contributing is a whole lot more than that. Do those little things. And we're seeing so many of those things from those players. So good on all of them. Henry Brustevich plays forward on the second scoring line against Flint, showing his versatility. And he's somebody that has the ability to play power forward when you need him to, but he's also a rock-solid defenseman as well. And then players that have stepped up that we've mentioned so many times, and when we talk about Sunday's win without Ethan McKinnon, without Alec Leonard, without Oliver Bonk, you're talking about defensemen like Isaiah George, Jackson Edward, and Sam Dickinson, who are playing a lot of minutes. Kyle, how good have they been? And here we go, Sam Dickinson, player of the week, not just for what he's doing defensively, all those little things that he does, but he also chips in three goals, five assists for eight points in three games. Oh, I mean, we we said this before the start of the season that the Knights' strength, especially after acquiring, acquiring Michael Simpson, was in, get in net, but also in their defensive core. They were bringing back, I think, five regulars from last year's OHL's final team, and you know, th these guys have taken strides and even in the absence of Oliver Bunk has been the rise of Isaiah George and Sam Dickinson and Jackson Edward and Alec Leonard to an extent as well. And these guys have just come in and done exactly what we thought they would do. And I feel like they've even Mike exceeded expectations because, you know, they've really been chipping in offensively. You've seen that growth in the game, but you've seen the physicality, the calmness, the collectiveness in their own end. But it has been fun to watch Sam Dickinson play hockey over this last stretch. He has been an absolute weapon. I think on the on the Sunday game, Mike, I, I can't remember. Every time I looked on the ice, he was there. He just seemed to never not be on the ice. He was always making plays defensively. He was always making plays offensively. There was a power play where he went end-to-end -end and almost scored, and then the puck went out, and then he took it back and almost went end-to-end -end again before setting up the power play. He has been on another level and we have seen that huge step in his progression specifically over the last month or so one of the most noticeable players on the ice at any time and when you have to shoulder a big load you have to shoulder big minutes it's not easy to do it he's done it and so that's another one of the reasons why the knights are sitting with a six game winning streak going into a game against the erie otters before we close out 
We are getting close to the trade deadline, and we have now passed the midway mark, the halfway mark of the OHL season officially. Teams are now wearing their dark uniforms at home instead of their light uniforms. That will now take place. The Knights will wear their greens against the Barry Colts or their blacks, whichever one, on Friday night. January the 5th against the Barry Colts. We are getting close to the OHL trade deadline. We talked about the halfway mark of the season and the trade deadline with Terry Doyle and Jim Van Horn in a roundtable format. All right. Always great uh, halfway through to uh, line up with Terry Doyle. Mike Stubbs is with us. Terry, uh, looking at the Ontario Hockey League about halfway and the Christmas uh, break is over and uh, the trade freeze is over as well. So let's first talk about your surprises. We were talking on the bus on the way in the top five teams in the West would all be in first in the East. Is that an indication of uh, somewhat of a strength imbalance? I think it's almost like every second year, every year we see that. And I think indeed, because we've had a couple teams in the West that have been disappointments as well, and maybe the Owen Sound attack. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about them in a moment. But yeah, I think we've just seen the way the West has gone in the East. You know, a couple teams that we thought would be better have been just spinning their wheels a little bit, and a couple of teams jumbled up. You know, Peterborough, for example, is a team that started out on fire. Now they've fallen back to where we expected them. But yeah, that little balance of power has uh, swung strongly back to the Western Conference. Uh, Mike, in the in the East, uh, maybe the story, or in the West, pardon me, maybe the story is is happened in Kitchener, where all of a sudden a European coach, first one in his, in the OHL seems to have worked some real magic here. Um, I wonder if we may look back in 15 years and say, wow, that was the start of something. I think we will. Now the question is, how far is it going to go this year? Because Kitchener's in a really interesting position. If they are going to bid for the Memorial Cup in 2027, which there are some certainly conversations going on about that, and they would be a great host. They've been a great host in the past. They've proven they can do it. What do you need to have? You need to have a very strong team. So they could add, they could spend a lot of draft picks. We've seen them recouping some draft picks in trading Thomas Hamra to Brantford and trading Roman Schmidt to Kingston already. They've been recouping some picks. I don't know if you want to go all in this year because it could take a few years to build back. Would you be in a position that you needed to be in should you want to bid for the Memorial Cup? I keep wondering... Is a domino even going to fall this year? Normally, we have seen big moves. Last year at this time, the Sarnia Sting had made big moves. Kitchener had made big moves. The dominoes, they were going. They were falling, and other teams were joining in. This year, I don't know. Everybody's playing a different game. They're playing hide-and-seek. <laughs> Terry, is that how you see it? Yeah, there aren't the clear buyers and sellers this year because I think you look at the standings and you automatically think, usually these teams that are lower are automatic sellers. People have asked Owen Sound if they're going to sell. That would be a big 180 for that team that was building for this season and next season. Kitchener, you're right. I think they're going to be more of a stand pat team and a tweak team because I don't think they can afford, because of what they want to do in 27, to go all in this year. I think they stick with the club they've got maybe a tweak here and there but as mike said a couple of those moves they've made you know with the roster and the depth have our picks for the future and i think that's what we're going to see over in the eastern conference you know peterborough they were high in the standings to start with said wait a minute can you sell after being high in the standings they've dropped off they can't afford to buy because of going in last year they've got a few parts i think we'll wait till the world juniors is done and owen beck is going somewhere from peterborough for example so i think we just don't have as many clear buyers and sellers you look at windsor and sarnia they're sellers but what do they have to sell windsor's already sold sarnia doesn't have much to sell their best players 
Sandinsville minutes, takes up an import spot. So that, of course, makes things difficult. So I just don't think this year we have as many clear-cut buyers or sellers. You know Saginaw will leave no stone unturned, but how many stones are out there right now? (laughs) Well, that's where we sit as we uh, hit the 28th of December. And uh, Terry, thank you for joining us. Anytime. Now we find out where players are going to go. Remember, players at the World Junior Hockey Championship cannot be moved until the World Juniors come to an end. So there's that aspect of things, and then it's a sprint to January 9th and January 10th. I keep hearing that there are moves that will be made. You're just looking for somebody to set the market, that first domino. You really need it. And, Kyle, it's strange. It's rare. It's not like we're... We're going to go through this particular period and not see any moves. We're going to see moves, but more and more, it's looking like they're going to come late. Yeah, you know, it's um, we talked about this on a previous podcast, too, about when this potentially could begin and start happening. And and you kind of talked about it, Mike, how it's just waiting to set the market, what the value is on certain transactions. And I feel like it's a domino effect where once the first domino falls, it will then spring a cluster of other dominoes that will kind of settle in and take place. But again, I think a lot of teams may be looking at last year's, you know, potential teams that really quote went all out. You look at the Windsor Spitfires, you look at the Sarnia Sting who really went above and beyond in acquiring certain players saying that we're going in this year and Windsor getting eliminated in the first round by Kitchener, uh, Sarnia getting taken out by, you know, London in the semifinals. So I wonder if that is also a mindset where they go, listen, we're going to keep all of our picks. We're going to keep certain players that we think are going to be good in a year or two and maybe make a small move. But I, I, I'm very, I'm, I'm very intrigued, Mike, to see what level of, all in quote a team will go to or maybe if it's a tweak here and there and thinking listen we like our squad we're going to take our chances and move on to next year maybe and the other thing i look at is the effect that the pandemic has had on 2003 and 2004 born players who ultimately if you're a team going for it you're looking for 19 year olds or if you have a way to work an overager trade at this point you're looking at 20 year olds and the fact that it was a tough development for a lot of those 04s and even some of the 03s where maybe you don't have as many top-end players from those years. Blame it on the pandemic. Sometimes birth years just don't have as many top-end go-to guys. But you look at the scoring and the scoring race in the Ontario Hockey League, the top two are 19 or 20, but Carson Rakoff is only 18. Anthony Romani in North Bay is 18. Denver Barkey is 18. David Goyette is 18. Luke Misa is 18. I'm at number eight right now, and I've named off five guys. So you have a lot of the 18-year-olds. Almost reminds me of the year when Mitch Marner and Dylan Strom were 17 and 18, and, and that birth year, that 1997 birth year, how strong that was. So that may be one of the reasons why we haven't seen as many moves. And it also takes the number of teams who are willing to make those moves. So now everybody's looking at Flint. People are looking at Barry and saying, could they be teams doing it? People are looking at Peterborough, whereas we've had things pretty tightly packed all year. And that hasn't changed much in the Eastern Conference for sure. Regardless of how it all settles in, Mike, I'm 
I'm very intrigued to see what what every team is going to do, because I think that also will play into it. I think it'll play in where, you know, if there is a team that all of a sudden sees themselves as maybe a potential favorite to come out of their conference and they watch a team maybe below them or somewhere in the realm of the same area make a move, maybe that triggers a team. Let's say Kitchener, for example, makes a move and London goes, well, listen, we we think we can compete with them, but we got to make another move for us to do that. Maybe that's a move that that takes place or something that goes in. But regardless, like you said, I'm I want to see what the market unfolds here over these next few days. And I'm very intrigued to see not just the market and which teams make a move, but which players move too. Well, we'll be on it, and we will have the updates for you. We'll do some special podcasts if needed if we do see big deals involving the London Knights. Kyle, we now move forward into three games in four days again for the Knights. Two at home, one on the road to see if the winning streak continues. The Knights will get Alec Leonard back against the Erie Otters, so that will be a big bonus for them, and Max McHugh eligible to return against the Mississauga Steelheads on Saturday, January 6th. Yep, going to be exciting. It'll be nice to get a couple of those players back, but you're right. This winning streak heading into Wednesday is going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully they find a way to continue it, and this continuation of players stepping up and stepping into these roles and filling voids for the time being until other guys get back. But it's just, it's been very impressive to watch these young players come in and do such an amazing job. And they try to keep the streak alive to start the brand new year on Wednesday night. Look for our next podcast on Friday after the London Knights have taken on the Erie Otters and getting you set for those games against Barry and Mississauga. You can follow Kyle on socials at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. You can find me at Stubbs980. Thanks so much for listening. Give us a review if you have time. And Kyle, we'll talk to you next time. Sounds good, Mike. See you then.